welcome to the Standard Issue podcast. Zombies don't like to rush your kids in, aren't they? <laughs> I didn't think I could love you anymore. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, Sarah. I just, I used to look at my future and it was just like grey mist, like stretching out forever. No, I'm very prudish. I don't like to give men any sort of pleasure. They, I no. I met you tits first. Of course you did. <laughs> Don't fill up my wine glass. I'll do it. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, st- I start too many things, Sarah. I've still got tea cosy that I'm making for your 40th birthday, which is... 42? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm still quite drunk and covered in glitter and smell of booze. Sorry. Because <laughs> it's a podcast. Nobody gives yeah. a shit about your eyebrows on a podcast. <laughs> well, he's quite stocky, lad. I reckon he's got a quite a thick girth on him. Not so sure about the length, but I reckon he can give it what for. That's changed everything. <laughs> do you think that's it? <laughs> it's sort of therapy with an audience. It is. That's what we do. Standard issue, bringing people together. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to your Christmas present from Standard Issue, a bloody smash-tastic greatest hit selection from our live gigs of 2018. You are welcome. And we thought we'd start this episode the way we start all of our podcasts, with some random facts. Here are some of our favourites from the year. First up, we've got some short and sweet ones, starting with this legendary woman. I'm Jennifer Saunders, and I once got chewing gum stuck in my pubic hair. (laughs) It's very easy to do. It's... It wasn't funny at the time. My name's Izzy Sutty. I am a comedian, an actress and a writer. And I used to be able to put out 13 matches in my mouth. (laughs) I'm Marion Keyes. I'm a novelist and I don't like horses. (laughs) (laughs) My name's Sally Lindsay and I'm an actress. And um, what's a fun fact about me? I can do the splits. Can you? Um, I'm Hannah Dunleavy, and I was once mistaken for being dressed up as Frodo Baggins when I was actually just wearing my own clothes. <laughs> uh, I, I'm Jack Monroe. I write stuff and shout on the internet. And occasionally, <laughs> if you cross me, I put you in such an awkward financial position you have to sell your house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Sarah Milliken, and yesterday was one of the happiest days of my life. <laughs> Um, because my dog finally wore a coat and, <laughs> and he looks so smart. <laughs> That's it. This clip comes from Gig 28, which featured Sarah Millican, Ruth Jones, Fern Britton, Wanami Masaku, and the BAFTA Award winner and all round writing powerhouse Sally Wainwright. Here she is with her random fact I'm Sally Wainwright, I'm a writer, and I'm. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. And a director. And um, a random fact um, that I always resort to when I'm asked to provide random facts. Uh, I used to drive double-decker buses in London. Great. So did that come from, you know, when you're a kid and you you sit upstairs Mm. in the front seat because you really want to be able to see what the driver can see? Did you start that way and then think, just, I'm going to make it a reality? Oh, wouldn't it be lovely if that was what Yeah, if it was happened. just a dream. No, it was like I was just desperate to make money. Oh, OK, fair enough. <laughs> I was living in London and I hadn't a job and everybody said, oh, you like driving, why don't you learn to be a bus driver? So it seemed like a good idea. Driving the buses was actually fun, it was just the fucking passengers. <laughs> what, was, what was the worst experience with a passenger you ever had? The worst? Yeah. Um... I was driving a night bus through Southall. (laughs) 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 At like one o'clock in the morning and this guy got on and he was like stoned off his head, drunk. And he sort of wobbled on. It took him about 10 minutes to wobble on. (laughs) And I thought, I'm not even going to ask him to pay because he obviously wasn't, you know, in the same zone as everybody else. So I... I thought, well, I can either ask him to get off or I can just wait for him to sit down, so I'll wait for him to sit down. And um, he, uh, you're supposed to, before you take off with your bus, you're supposed to wait for everybody to be seated because it's dangerous if you don't. 
So, <laughs> so I'm waiting for him to sit down. And um, he decides he's going upstairs. <laughs> oh. So I have to wait another half hour for him to wobble upstairs. <laughs> and um, after about 10 minutes, I thought, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to take off anyway. Take off. We didn't call I called it that because I really wanted to be an airline pilot. <laughs> um, um, anyway, so I thought, right, I'm going. And I went. And he fell down the stairs backwards. <gasps> and he smacked his head on the stairwell in the at the bottom of the stairs, so I had to do a code red, so I'm pressing me, but no, I wasn't, what do you, you press your button and you spoke to your wing mirror going, code red, code red, and they go, code red, go ahead, and you go. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm saying, there's a man, he's just collapsed in me. Anyway, the, the police came and they put him in the back of a van, and I think A van? Was, I, a police van. Oh. And... Uh, <laughs> I was like a local delivery van. <laughs> a Tesco van. Um, and he wasn't conscious, and I don't know what they did with him, but it was all very... Also, I like that you said he'd collapsed, when he hadn't. No, he'd, no it was He'd my had an fault. accident that you'd caused. <laughs> well, yes. Well, maybe he'd listen to this podcast and yeah. recognise his story. <laughs> <laughs> if you've had an accident, for which you're not responsible... <laughs> Another astonishing random fact comes fresh from our gig cast where we assembled Hannah, Sarah, Helen Thorne, Ellie Gibson, a.k.a. The Scummy Mummies, and Sally Phillips at the Cheltenham Comedy Festival. Sally, it turns out, likes to learn something new every day. And today I learnt that kangaroos have three vaginas. (laughs) (laughs) And male Tasmanian devils have uh, forked (laughs) penii. Plural? No. They have, it's forked, they've got two pronged... so like can... a fork, but missing one. And I was, I was, I was astounded, like a chip fork. Also wooden. I was astounded by that information. And what was the first one? Who has three vaginas? A kangaroo has three vaginas. So do these animals ever get together? <laughs> yeah, a male kangaroo has a chip fork penis as well. Wow. So it can, can be having yeah, ex- double learned, excitement. This is the fact that you learned to do. What did you Google to get that? <laughs> I learned that doing my son's homework. <laughs> at 6am this morning. And that was the fact that I didn't tell him. So his RS homework was to uh, find out about intelligent... De- do you want to know this? Yeah, intelligent, intelligent design. So the arguments for... The, the argument that there, you know, is a watchmaker that the universe has been designed, and he had to think of three examples of intelligent design. And I was trying to get him to say, you know, beauty. Uh, but he said, scabs and kangaroos. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and then I managed to get him to say music as well. But anyway, so... <laughs> So we were Googling, you know, the immune system scabs and, and also kangaroos. And I was reading out these ama- and I found out, indeed, kangaroos are totally incredible. Kangaroos Three vaginas. Can get pregnant. Two penises. They can be continuously pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Permanently we'll pregnant. Yeah. Take that, scummy mummies. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> nothing on a they kangaroo. They can say the season's not right. I'm not going to give birth to it. They can hang on to it and yeah. give birth to it later. Yeah, in a drought, they can put the baby on pause. They can put the jerry on pause. So, yeah, so they grow one in the uterus and then, and then, mm, how does it work? Oh, yeah, then they give birth. This is the best bit. They don't even have to give birth to a, a mass, mahoosive thing. They, they give birth to a jelly bean. It's so much smarter. And then it grows in their pouch. And then the do, next do one goes in. Do they get to in. choose which vagina it comes out of? Can you put, like, a bet on it? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to come out of number one. That would be so much better than snail racing. Imagine in a snail. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if my random fact about myself can top that. <laughs> now, it's fair to say that 2018 has been a bit of a mixed bag when it comes to women's rights and, well just the world in general. However, one excellent thing happened in May this year when Ireland voted to repeal the Eighth Amendment. That same month, we happened to have Irish novelist Marion Keyes on the podcast. Some good timing. Who would have thought when we booked Marion Keyes to be at this event, I would be able to find myself saying, Marion, tell me what you think about the Eighth Amendment being repealed. (laughs) 
I'd done it personally. Thank you so much. Yes, it was me. Uh, yeah, I am overjoyed and I'm incredibly touched that it matters to you and that you know about it and that you care. Uh, really, it's, it's been the most momentous thing that has ever happened to me, either politically or personally. Um, and what has been so wonderful about it was that it wasn't led by any political party or, you know, any kind of vested interests. It was just ordinary women. It was a grassroots feminist movement that just, you know, gathered energy and told, told their stories and got people on board. And, you know, the entire campaign was crowdfunded. You, you know, there was no money from, you know, outside agencies. So it's been the most kind of joyous example of people power and you know in a world like after the trump election and after i'm sorry to mention it brexit you know where it feels like democracy is for sale to the highest bidder it was just wonderful to have a you know a political situation that seems to be bucking the trend that the power was given back to ordinary people so i think no it means an awful lot for irish women but i'm hoping that it kind of inspires all of us you know across the world to kind of think you know, I matter, my voice matters, my energy matters, my opinion matters, and I'm going to try and make the world a better place. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Any message for Theresa May on Northern Ireland? <laughs> um, you're, not going to, you're not going to be able to please the DUP. You know, find, find some other way of uh, propping up your government or else just call an election because um, they are, um, they're worse than the Catholics and that's saying something. Um, it's hard to believe, I know, but they are actually more archaic and more cruel and uh, that really takes some doing. <laughs> Luckily, she's a big fan of the podcast, so she will hear that. <laughs> Our next highlight comes from a gig that we recorded with Sarah Millican, Rasheen Connerty, Issy Sutty, and Bridget Christie. Get that for a comedy lineup. We asked them that classic question: "What never fails to make you laugh?" Let's start with Rasheen. Anyone experiencing shame and trying to hide it is my like not not too on the cringe, but just enough. If they're, especially if they're prideful, so someone like someone who, that's my favourite type of humour. Anyone who's sort of uh, being revealed or like like or doubling down on it like so like him so like it's very similar John Robbins is a comic uh, and uh, when you sort of go all in on something where well, you're going to lose anyway for pride so I was at a house party uh, a few years ago and um, a New Year's Eve party and there was another really hot chilies and John Robbins did the thing where it was obviously wanted me to taste it but he was so giddy about his plot that he gave it away straight away he was like oh do you want to taste this chilli uh, and I was like no obviously not and he was like no it's, it's absolutely fine it's a normal chilli <laughs> I was like, you ran at me with it, mate. I was like, I'm not biting the chilli. And he was like, why aren't you biting? And he was like, what? You could see he'd been giddy up for it. Like, and he was like, why aren't you biting the chilli? I was like, I'm not biting the chilli because it's going to make me ill. And I went, you bite the chilli. He went, all right. <laughs> I'll bite the chilli. I went, bite the chilli. He went, I'll bite the chilli. I went, bite the chilli. And he bit the chilli and got sick and had to go to bed before 12 o'clock. <laughs> but that was always going to happen. Yeah. And uh, that's my favourite type is when you go all in or any humour like that is like in Seinfeld where someone, you're in it and you go, you've lost anyway. But th that's yeah. sort of still clinging on still. That's my favourite, watching someone prideful in any sort of standup or, or sort of losing you know hyacinth bouquet i think is oh i love it's it. my you know i just I, that i can watch it again and again oh, when i love she, it she's amazing she is. every time she falls in that bloody fence <laughs> every, do you know how, like intellectually i'm like this shouldn't work it's a woman every episode falling on the <laughs> fence she's brilliant she catches me every time i'm like she's falling <laughs> that fucking fence again <laughs> I, I, I love that sort of that's my favorite that's what gets me laughing I think mine are kind of classics, farts, same as Bridget. <laughs> but um, uh, although, as he said, things, things that you make, you don't necessarily find funny. I, I don't think farts come into that because things I make in the fart department are <laughs> fucking hilarious. Because <laughs> I have really bad IBS and I don't avoid the foods that I'm supposed to. <laughs> uh, but every time, because my husband will say crikey at my farts <laughs> and he's... He's, you know, he's not from Danger Mouse, so he doesn't... <laughs> it's not a word he says any other time. 
uh, and I'll just say, I've got a syndrome. <laughs> and then he has to leave me alone. Um, and also, I've realised only today that I will regularly, if I've got headphones on and music and I'm walking down the street, I just fart freely, assuming that because I can't hear them, other people can't hear yeah. them either. So I'm so sorry if you've been behind me today. I'm not sorry. Um, and, um, and, oh, and my little dog makes me laugh. Like, he did a shit the other day with an erection. That's impressive. <laughs> it's impressive. I went to pick it up, and it was just there. And I was, yeah, so he makes me laugh quite a lot. <laughs> and whenever I go to stroke him, I take him on tour a lot, and he's backstage at the venue in, in like, a little basket in his little bed. And whenever I go to stroke him, he automatically opens his back legs to show me his cock. <laughs> I just like the confidence of it. Always makes me laugh. Well, I had my um, my old boy, my old cat Ross was. I had him for fifteen years, and he was amazing. And I had him from when he was a tiny kitten, and he was about thirteen or fourteen, and he was sat on my lap, and I was stroking him, and all of a sudden, his like his, his little lipstick came out, and he was having a lovely time, and I had to rethink our entire relationship. <laughs> Thought it had been a mother son thing, and apparently, he'd just been getting off on it. <laughs> Weird. You had a boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean like that. Well, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> when I was filming um, in the summer last year, I, I, this is <laughs> one of the worst things that happened to me. It was so quick this time. So I, we were in a cafe in uh, East London somewhere and I came out and there's this gorgeous little doggy. I stroked the dog like, hello, mate. And then he was trying to start immediately like banging my arm. I was like, whoa, like, you know, but I was like, so I was like, huh. in the time it took me to go like, ha ha, Randy little sod. That's what I said. He came on my arm. <laughs> You are that quick. You that are quick. I was like, and I was in costume, and I was like, um, they're like, what's on your arm? I was like, it's not great, mate. Um, oh my it was so quick. He literally like did three thrusts and came all over my Do you arm. Think in the past, was... he's been shooed away too early. And he's had to go and like finish himself off, and yeah. he's trained himself to just be able to come really quickly. Yeah. She's gonna go. She's gonna go. <laughs> That's the director coming. Um, yeah, it was really. Yeah, it was. I, I, it took me like I was like, no, no, it, no. And the owner didn't know. The owner was like, it was so, it was so quick. It was like two strokes, and they're like, oh, oh god, Randy little son, isn't he? What is? And then it was stopped, and then I was like. It was just all over me. What did he do what? afterwards? I just had to go into costume and get like them to like wipe what? it all but down. What did he Which do? Which costume were you in? I, the, the, the dog. Well, he had a fag. <laughs> 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 Which costume were you wearing? I was in the. I was in a, uh, a coat, like a, a maroon coat. Oh. Um, did you keep the coat just in case it has that effect on other people? <laughs> Those two coats, actually. So I had to go into the other coat. Um, Spare. Same in case coat. she gets jizzed on. Coat. Yeah. <laughs> And it's going to happen, you know. <laughs> do you think that you may have interrupted... Do you think it was already there and you interrupted it? Well, and you, you can look at it that way, Bridget. You can be like, he no, liked what he saw. It was, <laughs> it was so quick. It was. I think it was just... I think he was definitely like... Already he was, prepared. It, yeah. it, the way it worked out, it was like he'd been pulled off a lady dog yeah. and then an arm Put came. on your arm. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was... It was so quick. Worried that your arm might look like a lady dog. I mean, um, it's pretty hairy arms. (laughs) Maybe, yeah, maybe. Is it a maroon, a dog in a maroon coat? (laughs) (laughs) One of our gig casts this year was recorded at the Cambridge Junction, where Mickey and I were joined by Holly McNish, Jack Monroe, and Liz Carr. One of the questions we asked was whether any of our guests fell under a certain pressure to be a role model. Start with Liz. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, of course, I mean yes. Uh, um, it's a weird word, anyway. You know, it's a weird. Yeah, we, we decided when we wrote the question we didn't like the word, no, but we couldn't think of anything what, better. No, I agree. Uh, I was on um, something the other day because a series of silent witnesses out. So we, myself and Mila Fox, were on the one show, and one of the questions they didn't get round to asking was, you know, now that you're an inspiration for other disabled people, and you're like take that word, take that word, that's worse. Uh, Role model inspiration. I I, I know you might be thinking, but they're lovely words. Uh, It's just, I guess when you're doing what you do, you're just doing it, mostly. You're just doing it yourself. Uh, And because of your own ambition or love or joy of it. And, but you also, of course you realize the responsibility. I acknowledge that there are so few disabled women on TV, never mind in drama, never mind playing the kind of roles that I get to, I'm getting to play, that of course you have a responsibility actually. So, but therefore you feel it really, I feel it really acutely 
that if I kind of feel I'm crap, I've let everybody down, which, which I shouldn't because, you know, I get that. It's fine, I go to therapy, it's all right, <laughs> um, once a week. Uh, but, but I think you do, I think so. I think there is an inevitable responsibility, um, you know, that, that you do feel, and in a way I think you sort of should as well. Because I think if you are in a position and you have a voice, I have a voice because of who I am now, um, I get listened to. And so many people don't. So many disabled people, men or women, just aren't in that position to be listened to. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I would love in a way, and to one degree, I just do it because I love it. And, and that's, of course, of why I do what I do. But along with that, if I'm doing an interview or something like that, or I'm even thinking about what job to do, I will think, is that a good representation? Uh, is that appropriate? Should I do that? And uh, yeah, so it, it's yeah, it's kind of tough, really. But it's also an honour. It's an honour to be in this, this position, really. But what you don't want to do, I guess, is set up some artificial standard of, mm -hmm. and particularly with this government or and, or recent governments, of going well. If she can, I mean, look at her. Look at her. She mm -hmm. can't really do very much anyway. I mean, I have personal assistance 24 hours a day. I can't go to the loo on my own. But I'm on a TV show looking like I'm really efficient, right? You know, the, the worst thing for me to do is put a bloody USB in the computer. I'm like, please, it takes about 10 shots to do that. <laughs> like, oh, no, not seen with a USB. <laughs> you've got the props man doing it. You've got everyone, you've got the cameraman patronizing you going, oh, it's fine. No, these do take 12 takes, don't worry. <laughs> and you're just like... You know, so I'm on TV, I'm also giving a false representation of disability, and you're creating this standard. I would say it's a bit like the Paralympian standard of, of kind of, well, if the Paralympians can do it, you should too. And it's like, I always used to say in my comedy, like, the Paralympians just make the rest of us look lazy, right? <laughs> and in a way, I'm now that, because I'm, I, I, I both am a help for other people because I'm on TV, but also I'm a hindrance. It's kind of like, well, if she can do that, you know, why are you on benefits? Or why can't you do that? It's, role model is, is dangerous, in a way. And inspiration can be dangerous because it sets certain people up and, and whatever. I do what I do because I love it and I'm lucky and I'm ambitious. Um, other people don't have to make those choices. It doesn't make them better or it doesn't make them more or less than I am. Uh, and, but unfortunately, I think ideas of role models and inspirations do set up standards whether it's as women or gay women or straight women or disabled women, or a mix of those that are really hard to attain. So, yeah, I, I guess that's why I feel uncomfortable with role model. It's like, I don't, you know, just do what you want to do. And I hope you don't have the barriers and let's try and work on them together. Yeah, that's great. Good yeah. answer, yeah. yeah. There'll be a little bit more from that Cambridge gig later in the podcast when we hear from Holly McNish about her potato-based career ambitions and licking walls. No, really. Next, early this year, we had a very special lineup at the Leicester Square Theatre, a show that featured Desiree Birch, Joe Caulfield and only Jennifer Bloody Saunders. Clearly, we were totally super cool, like, until we weren't, which was as soon as we asked the question, what never fails to make you laugh? It just descended into shameless Saunders fangirling, and we have no regrets. Let's start in time on and fashion with uh, what always makes you laugh. Let's start with Joe. Oh, oh well, Joe. Um, I panicked and I had a hot sweat. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll say because I thought of it because uh, Jennifer Saunders was on the show, and I thought immediately of the sketch that, and, and I did it to Jennifer, which probably she's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, not again, and that's not the words. Um, <laughs> But it was one you remembered we, it though. I, I did didn't. because I did it. So me and my friends used to do it all the time, and it was the, the schoolgirls, and they'd be on the school trip, and they were in the back of the bus, and one of them had, and I think it was started my love of alcohol, and one of them <laughs> had a miniature bottle of something, you know, so that much alcohol, and they were sipping it, and then they would sip it, and then they would as soon as they would have a sip, oh, it makes me laugh so much. Even <laughs> think about it; it's so fucking funny. So they'd have a little sip, and then it was, I think it was your character would go up, oh, I really. Drunk, <laughs> and it was just so innocent and gorgeous that they would like have a sip. Oh, and that thing of when you you want to be naughty at that age, and you know, go and have a fang, you know, like, and then you sort of have a fang. Oh, I'm drunk, and I must be pregnant as well, you know. Just 
So those sketches always make me laugh. <laughs> we were all really cool backstage, weren't we? Because um, Hannah and I did a similar thing to Jennifer as well. I was like, Guns N' Roses are one of my favourite bands. <laughs> but whenever I think of November Rain, I think of you and Dawn. <laughs> and what was yours, Hannah? It's a Dangerous Liaisons uh, sketch <laughs> behind the fans. Can't watch oh. Dangerous Liaisons. I didn't oh. say mine, but mine is the... Um, <laughs> 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 the train's pulling out. I'm going to run for it. Um, is the uh, the Gone with the Wind one where you stop and you're trying to do the, you're like, how are you? Like doing, and I was just like, that's exactly what we, it was, I have a friend and I, and we just constantly quote that to each other. It's so much fun. You, you do have, and I know we're talking about Jennifer, you do have an uncanny way of looking like everyone that you're doing an impersonation oh, of. which just is good makeup. I have a, I'm a blank page, I think, <laughs> and I have great makeup. What, what never fails to make you laugh? <laughs> I don't know. Um, it really nice you oh. said... Uh, we all have to say something nice about Joe <laughs> Desiree, being here this evening. Um, <laughs> oh, just anyone falling over makes me laugh. Yeah. Uh, you know, and if they hurt themselves, it's even funnier somehow. I, I just <laughs> Old people, old falling people falling over, over is always funny. Yeah. I, I sometimes laugh at how, how miserable I can be because I don't like a lot of things that people like, and I wish I did, but things that are meant to be fun, and my husband will always look at me and goes, oh, you're going to hate this, aren't you? <laughs> and I start laughing because it makes me laugh because I know it'll be something. We went on this, oh, went on a, a tour. It was, like, it was raining in Miami, and we're going, oh, well, what can we do? Well, we'll go on that tour thing, which is an amphibious tour. Have you seen those ones? I think they do them in London. <coughs> yeah. And when you get on, I suddenly went, oh, no, the guy's going to be fun. I hate him. <laughs> Oh, and what was worse, he was British, and I thought, oh, they think you're funny, but I know you're not, right? <laughs> and he was wearing a Hawaiian shirt, and he was all, like, fun, and as we got on, he was being had a fun greeting for everyone, and they're Americans, so they like fun, you know? <laughs> so they were going, oh, he's great, you know? <laughs> you do like fun better than us. You do, you're good at it, we're not. Like, hey, how are you doing today? We're like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> Got a hangover, just fucking tone it all down. <laughs> but you have to understand, we do that because in our heads we're just going, oh, fuck, fuck everyone, fuck up. Hi! Hi. Never yeah. let them see who you really are. Yeah. <laughs> you put up a big old front, that's good. But I there's like, what, part of the thing was on the tour, you all had to go quack, quack oh. when it went into the water. Adults, there wasn't any children on this. <laughs> was mostly people over 45 and then he was looking and there was just me and my husband he's from Aberdeen he's very doer and we were the only ones just sitting there everyone was going quack quack and we were just going oh, fuck right uh. <laughs> quack quack but it made me at the same time I was laughing because I was thinking they'll think I'm such a monster what is wrong with those people why aren't they enjoying it it's fun you just go quack quack it's great fun <laughs> Why did you do it? <laughs> just, why did we go like, on the thing? Why? Because it did go on. It did go on water, and there were some bits of it I wanted to go to. All oh, right. Okay. And also, it was raining, and I couldn't go to the beach. So I thought sometimes it's nice to force yourself to do things you know you'll hate. <laughs> I think it's the Catholic upbringing that makes <laughs> me do things like that. Every now and again, we ask our guests if anyone has an embarrassing story they'd like to share with the audience. And this next clip has some of our favourite answers. It comes from the gig we recorded in Sale with top women, Sean Gibson, Jenny McAlpine and Sherry Lee Houston. Here's Sherry Lee sharing her distressing experience. I think I was about eight and Asda, I, we grew up in Morecambe and Asda just opened and it was really posh and I was ever so excited I was going to a supermarket to walk round and as we just went in, my knickers fell down. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh. And my mum went, just step out of them, keep walking. <laughs> <laughs> she sounds like a lady, doesn't she? Yeah. Step out of them and keep on walking. <laughs> <laughs> That's happened to her before, hasn't it? You can tell. <laughs> it was just like, I felt like I'd, I'd let myself down in Asda. <laughs> We've all done that, love. <laughs> I once saw a human turd in Asda. <laughs> and there was a member of staff guarding it. And I couldn't, I couldn't work out if they were protecting it or us from it. I couldn't work out. And it had one of those, you know, those slippery floor signs across it. And you think, that needs adapting. Um, yeah, that's my Asda story. Uh, <laughs> but it didn't happen. I just happened to be there. It wasn't me. Uh, Jenny, anything embarrassing happened to you? Um... Yes, um, not, well, not, well, a while ago, anyway. Uh, so I'm walking up Deansgate in Manchester, a man with a pen in one hand, 
and a piece of paper in the other came up to me. I was in a bit of a rush. He walked towards me, excuse me. I said, yeah, absolutely no problem. Jenny McAlpine, brackets, says, uh, kiss, kiss, what name? And he said, uh, and then I looked at it and realised it was a map. <laughs> Asking me for directions. <laughs> True story, <laughs> obviously. Sean? I, I was about 20 and I was seeing this guy and we went on a first date and um, he'd, I'd met him in a pub and he'd parked behind the pub. So when it was time to go home, I still give you a lift home and I walked out of the pub, I hadn't even been drinking, and I fell down a manhole. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's not, it wasn't even a manhole. It was like a cellar. <laughs> so there were steps going down. And I fell <laughs> down a flight of stairs. Oh. And I was so mortified, I pretended to be unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> and I just lay there. And he, he ran down. And um, this was quite manly. He ran down and picked me up. Ooh. And lay me on the bonnet of his escort. <laughs> and, uh, and I just had to pretend to come round a bit. Because I was thinking, oh my God, this is just mortifying. <laughs> it was hideous. And I was living at home. And he took, my home, took me home and he told my mum. And my mum stayed and, on the end of my bed all night thinking I might be concussed and I couldn't go to sleep. And I was just like... No, I've just fallen down a cellar. It's <laughs> quite embarrassing. Oh. And I did see him again, actually. I think it was the arms. Yeah, and the like escort. That. Yeah. <laughs> it would be unfair to feature all of our guests' most embarrassing stories without also allowing them to share a proudest moment. This clip comes from the same gig and features a particularly excellent anecdote from Dunleavy. But first, let's hear Sean Gibson's proudest moment. Right, I'm going to be a big bragger now. Meet and take that. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's got to be my proudest moment. And in fact, um, I met them and I went backstage to one of their concerts. I'm such, I'm such a big head, aren't I? But I went backstage and um, because I was with someone they knew and... Gary came over and me and my friend were like holding hands, just like, oh my God. And it was like chatting to my friends and we were like, hello, hello. Then Mark <laughs> came over. Yeah. Couldn't speak. Could not speak. <laughs> then Howard. He's my favourite. Oh, is he? Oh yeah. my God, yeah. He's really grown into his face, hasn't he? He has. <laughs> Always looking. He has. You know what yeah. I mean, though? Yeah, yeah. yeah. don't think of him in prey with his dreads. Incredible. No, don't think of the dreads. Um, and then <laughs> Jason. And love I thought, him, love him. I have got to speak. I have got to say something to someone from Take That. And he was talking to my friend, and he was like, yeah, I can't wait. Sorry, that's really bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> look at the colour of me, I'm like mahogany, we've been spray tanned. And I went, <laughs> well, you can never be too orange. <laughs> <laughs> to Jason Orange. <laughs> yeah, you're still proud of this. Um, and I was so proud. And my friend was like, elbowing me like that. She went... You've just said to Jason Orange, you can never be too orange. And it was that moment from Dirty Dancing where I felt like I'd carried a watermelon and I just wanted to leave. But I am still very proud of me and take that. I a childhood. Well, not even childhood, because I was like 18 when they came out. But a dream. But yeah, I'll say a baby. That, that reminds me, I was, on a, I was on a, in Naples once on a bus with my sister and the most handsome man I'd ever seen on my life, in my life got on the bus. And he said to my sister and I, um, is this the bus that goes down to the poor? And my sister said, I'm sorry, I don't speak English. <laughs> I love that. That's exactly that. Just think of something to say. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> he was unbelievably handsome. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's my proudest achievement. <laughs> Next up, we've got another classic response to What Never Fails to Make You Laugh. This time it's from our Cheltenham gig with Sally Phillips and the Scummy Mummies. Here's what Helen finds funniest. Pretty people falling over. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. 
Yesterday, and I was just like, I'd just done the school run, I was in really like ugly jogging bottoms, and I was like going to Sainsbury, and a really sort of beautiful, uptight, thin lady was walking down, and then she tripped over a traffic aisle, and I was like, there's a god! <laughs> I just really wanted to point and laugh, and I was once in a posh restaurant, and a lady um, was looking all hoity-toity in, in heels, and she tripped up the step to the toilet, and I went, whoops-a-daisy! <laughs> It just makes me laugh. It makes me laugh so hard. Anyway, that's, that's my favourite thing. <laughs> Moving on from the misfortunes of others. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, lovely story. I was going to say you. Uh, just, you know, to get oh. the hankies out. Um, no, you never felt me laugh. The, the, the best example of you not failing to make me laugh was when um, I had had a baby. I had a premature baby who's fine now. It's all good. But I had a caesarean, emergency caesarean, and you came to visit me in the hospital when he was about four days old. And it was all very touch and go, and I was very touch and go. And you... you basically almost burst my stitches and <laughs> I can't remember it's what you it's what you told me about something the song they were playing in oh, the reception or something oh my god mm -hmm. I went into the NICU mm -hmm. and there's babies and, and and mums and dads and the song they were playing no shit was what doesn't kill you makes you strong <laughs> 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 I into with all these machines and a, and a baby that was the size of a hand I was like Agreed. Yeah. The song was right. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just got on loop. It's very, very right for the moment. Oh. Sally? Mine is probably, um, I know it's a boring answer, but it's probably my kids. Um, I was just saying to you before that I've got a uh, son with Down syndrome who's hit puberty. And, <laughs> and <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, dear. The, the, uh, well, I was saying the, um, so I, might, I, I, I remember puberty as being this time full of shame and hiding yourself away. But when, uh, apologies, Ollie, if you ever listen to this, I don't think you will. Uh, Ollie running in with his first pubic hair, running into my bedroom going, Mom, I got a butch! I mean, I got a push. We were like, well done, Ollie! That's how it should be, right? Like, no shame. I've got a bush, and the other two kids could really enjoy that. And we went to, we went to Brighton Pier, and they all won little cuddly toys with like tufts, like those, like those little, you know, gnomes, and they all called them bush. <laughs> Different colours, you know. And he's he's in a battle with me, battle of wits, about trying to get onto porn sites. So, <laughs> So I've got net nanny. I've got, you know, I've got state of the art, quite expensive systems to shut it all down. But I don't really need them because he uh, hasn't totally got. He, he thinks if he puts a blanket over his head, I can't see him. <laughs> <laughs> so he'll steal my phone, put a blanket over his head, and tiptoe off. Let's go, Ollie. I, Ollie, I can see you. <laughs> I can see you. And so the minute he starts tiptoeing or covering his face with something, I know that he's going to try and Google, you know. Girl bum. <laughs> Is that something he's going to call girl bum? Girl bum, yeah. And, and the, I, was, I was just saying, I probably I shouldn't say any of this anyway, it's all just coming out now. Um, I, I was like, so I've shut down so he can't get onto porn. I don't really know, I'm, you know, essentially single parenting. I don't really know how to manage this uh, with a teenage boy because I know it probably happened, but I don't really want it to happen. Uh, um, we're frightened of it happening. So he can't get on Pornhub, but that means he has got onto. Thai massage. <laughs> and I was thinking, what do I want him really to be watching? I think I like the whole sort of fingers up the bottom stuff. I think I'd rather. <laughs> I think I'd I rather he was watching straight. I'm learning a lot. <laughs> Nor have I. Nor have I, but I've watched what he's watched. <laughs> and I think just like a, you know, a washing machine repair guy coming round and people getting it on the kitchen might be healthier than the... Uh... <laughs> anyway, enough of that. You cut that out. <laughs> I've got fact my sons are three and seven, so we're right. hopefully a sorry, little way off. So um, sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> very difficult. But I've got fact when they do start getting into Pornhub, I'm going to start uploading videos of myself. <laughs> Boys, press the press the <laughs> that is such 
a good idea. Because <laughs> <laughs> I am at the stage where if I wander around with no clothes on, they're like, oh, mum, put it away, put it away. <laughs> so that would definitely work. <laughs> I did that. My kids were watching uh, Indiana Jones, and I'm sure they're psychopaths because they didn't get scared at all, right? And there was <laughs> monkey brains bit and all that sort of stuff. Just sitting there, whatever. And then I was just about to go into the shower, and I'd forgotten something. And I thought I, was, I marched through the um, lounge completely naked. And I said, "Look at my pretty dress!" And they all turned around, and went. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is. I mean, we shared a hotel room, that is worse than the monkey brain. Yeah, exactly. yeah. The rolling boulder of tits. Just... <laughs> <laughs> it's so you great. You just reminded me of something my mum used to do. She used to, she used to ask me if I wanted to smell a new perfume. And I'd go over to her and she'd pull her nightly down when she'd just done the most horrendous part. <laughs> but I was a little girl, I wanted to know what the perfume smelled like. It took me years to wear perfume, I was like, that's fucking disgusting, I'm not doing Gig cast number 29 was a cracker and featured Shazia Mirza, Connie Hook, Rachel Paris and Lucy Mangan. Here's what Shazia had to say when we asked her which fictional character inspired her when she was growing up. Um, I think Cagney and Lacey. Oh, Both yeah. of them. <laughs> because when I was growing up, there was never anybody that looked like me on TV. I mean, the closest thing to me was Trevor MacDonald. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> uh, that's true. My dad used to go, hurry up, hurry up, get downstairs. Trevor is on the TV. <laughs> Trevor McDonald was the closest thing to an Asian woman at the time. <laughs> he was a black man. <laughs> and, and there was never anybody that looked like me on TV. And I used to see Cagney and Lacey, and I just used to think, God, these two strong women. There was nobody else like them on TV, and I just thought they were great, and I wanted to be like them. Let's return to our gig in Cambridge with Holly McNish, Jack Monroe, and Liz Carr. This was Holly's response when we asked her, if you could do any other job, what would you choose? I had a book of money that no one would ever answer this, but there you have it. Oh my God, I think anything to do with potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I really am. <laughs> I don't know why that sounds dodgy. I don't think there's a dodgy job you can have with potatoes. But yeah, I love potatoes so much. I think they're amazing. And um, <laughs> I, just, I do, yeah, anything. So especially if it's like, yeah, they've got to be not like shop potatoes that haven't got any dirt on them, just the like dirt covered potatoes. And I think, yeah, anything to do with potatoes or anything to do with, um, <laughs> anything to do with like sort of mouldy stuff or bricks. So maybe like a brick, a brick layer or something. I had, yeah, when I was pregnant, I had a craving and the craving was mainly for the smell of like uh, and, uh, uh, that's the earth or dirt. That's the two combined. <laughs> yeah, so I used to like sit and smell the potatoes at the market in Cambridge on a Sunday. Um, yeah, and, and then I used to watch men drilling the road because the idea of like the bricks like cracking and being all like delicious and <laughs> just and, like the feel of that sort of brick. I love it. So yeah, I, I'd. Yeah, I'd like to just what's, rub, what's the best rub sort? Up on I, see, I'm a huge potato fan. What's best? What's the best sort of potato? I was going to ask that. Do you mean the best? Like, I don't really know. As in, as in, like mashed potatoes. chips, roast. Oh yeah, those. good. That's what I thought. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to ask me to name types, but oh, I don't no, know. No, no, I'll no. just ask the market. I, I quite like a potato soup, like wow. potato oh, and garlic wow. soup. That was a left field answer. That's what I had today: potato and garlic soup. Can I? I don't want to take over from. Your your career as a doctor, potential doctor. But <laughs> have you got anemia? Because that's what it sounds like. <laughs> I was like all those iron things yeah, when no, you were pe- pregnant. Yeah, no, people kept telling me that because I've been I've been vegetarian since I was four as well. So when I was pregnant, everyone kept telling me I've got anemia. In fact, all my life, my everyone's told me I've got anemia, but I've been tested loads and I've not had it. So I don't just eat potatoes. Obviously, I have like. <laughs> Broccoli as well. No, it was the, like, the wall and the, the mould because I yeah. had anemia once and the way it was diagnosed is that we worked in the, we went in the theatre and the theatre was really damp and I knew when we went down the accessible corridor that I wanted to lick the corridor. Because it was all damp. I really... Yeah, I was it's like, amazing, isn't it? I was, oh, I want to lick the corridor. Yeah. In this weird yeah. way. 
I'd, and yeah. I was scared for myself. Um, <laughs> oh, it's such a nice feeling, though. I yeah, think if I was is. anemic, maybe I'd want to carry on being anemic because it's it's such a like cheap way to get pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, in, in keeping with our burgeoning thruple of a friendship that we're going to have going on here, my fireplace needs some serious sorting out, but I've been quoted about two grand to get the mould out of the brickwork. <laughs> you two want to just come round with some straws? <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd make dinner. <laughs> I'd, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I, I, was in, I was in Poland a couple of years ago. I was in a mine that mined salt. <laughs> And um, mm. they, it was like a tourist attraction because they'd like built like a church underground out mm. of salt, like carved it out. And um, he was giving a speech or a talk, whatever they do it when they do a tour. And I thought, oh man, I'm going to lick the wall. I'm going to do it. I can't. And I, so I did a big lick of the wall oh, and it was yeah. the most disgusting thing ever. And then I had to pretend that I hadn't done it because you're not supposed to lick the wall. So he's there talking about, you know, the statue of Jesus. And I was it. like... <laughs> I did that. I did that. But I'd do it again. <laughs> Funnily yeah. enough, I would do it again. I did that at a slate mine. I had, um, <laughs> I had a gig at festival number six. <laughs> Which is like, um, it's in Port, Mer- Merion. Port Merion. Yeah, and it's an amazing place to go, and it's a very trendy festival, but um, I'm not, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, I went there and I'd, I'd done the gig, and I was meant to be there for another two days, but I decided to drive around the area instead, and I was with my boyfriend, and I saw one of those brown signs for a slate mine <laughs> and almost crashed the car. Like, <laughs> just like, it's like, what are you doing? I was like, there's a mine, a slate mine, because it's similar, it's like that mouldy, like, earthy smell. And I went down the, down the slate mine in a hard hat and, and licked the slate, but I liked it. It <laughs> 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 was great. Yeah. Oh, we're getting to the end of this bumper best of episode, but there's still time for a handful more tasty treats from a year of talking to awesome birds. Earlier in the episode, we played you an extract from our gig with Desiree Birch, Joe Caulfield and Jennifer Saunders. Except it was mainly just us talking at Jennifer Saunders and not having her talk to us. So for the sake of fairness, let's hear from the woman herself. What never fails to make Jennifer Saunders angry? What makes me mainly angry is people asking if you're all right. <laughs> That's all. I just, you know, in You're a right. restaurant. Oh, yeah, I see. You're right. Hate you. Uh, they, <laughs> and if they say in a restaurant, as well. Are you all right? Is everything all right here? Mm. Go, if it wasn't fucking all right, I would have told you it wasn't all right. <laughs> leave me alone. Yeah, that's just a whole new thing. Leave me alone. Again. Don't come over. Don't fill up my wine glass. I'll do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> More often than you will. <laughs> You know, just leave me alone. Yeah, it's that hovering around you. Oh. And it's the same thing in shops now. Clearly, they, and I feel sorry oh, for yes. the staff because they've been told to do it. Uh, it's not that they jump on you immediately. What they do now is they try, they, hover. they have a mindless conversation. Oh, oh. They come up, I had it. I was in All Saints, which I shouldn't go in. I don't, often don't understand the clothing very well. No, it's asymmetrical. Yeah, so I was, it's very I was already you. going, oh, mistake, leave, no. abort the mission. And then one, so they just come up to you and she just went to me, she goes, so you're just like shopping and chilling. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I, I don't want to say one, yes, I am. Clearly I'm shopping, I'm in a shop. What is this fucking catchphrase or something? Say what oh. you see. <laughs> But also chilling. Who? Who? Chilling. What a, I mean, I, I would have killed myself with the nearest sharpest object if I'd been the sort of person who'd gone, yeah, just chilling. You know. <laughs> also, there's nothing chilling. Like you, you don't chill and shop at the same time. When no. I go to shop, I'm just like punching my way through people who are oblivious. Like there are like three things in here I can fit. Just let me get to them. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> back out. You know. I, no chilling. There. Actually, oh. I hate shopping. I think shopping yeah. would be the thing that makes me really angry. There's just yeah. like. Every single level of shopping, even oh. the fact that most floors in shops are really staticky, and I'm a really staticky person, and I can't touch stuff <laughs> without. It's like the shop is rejecting me. It, I it love actually... shopping, but I want, like, I want to be left alone. I One of my favourite things is to read face creams <laughs> in department stores. You know, I'm at, you know, oh, Auntie, what will I do? I'll be plumper and firmer. Right, what does this one give me? Right. But they won't leave you alone. No. I'm just go, I'm just, I find it relaxing Ugh. to read them. And they won't, they're like, oh, can we help you? And they come at you with their face done. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> I might end up like that. So, <laughs> no. 
A woman at the till the other day, I was buying, actually b managed to buy something, and she went, successful day. Yeah. <laughs> Set the bar so low. Successful day. World peace and a new bra. Yeah. <laughs> it's just mindless. It is. It's the mindlessness of it. And you don't even know what to say. Yes. And they don't, you know that they don't want to talk to you, but they've got to. I they've know, told them awful. to. Stop it. It's very un-British. You're right. I say, yes, okay. mm. Yeah. <laughs> What are you doing leave, after I'll this? Just leave if they talk yeah. to me. Oh, none of your business. Oh. <laughs> Go away. We like to be grumpy shoppers. Yeah. I go like once a year and I buy everything I might think I need. Like, like oh, best buy something smart in case I have to go to a funeral or court or something. <laughs> best, best buy something. Best buy something moderately like dressy in case I get invited to a wedding and then just some clothes and then never go back for a year. It's the way forward with shopping. It's an optimistic view of the year, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> funeral, funeral, court, court case. and other things. I, uh, well, to be fair, the court case was that uh, I used to be a local newspaper reporter rather than I um, thought oh, I might get taken to court. court. But you never know. Um, but yeah, come from a big family, so not weddings, not funerals, you know. It's bound to be one in, in a year. <laughs> I um, made myself a cup of coffee this morning and then when I went to put the milk in it, there was none left. I am still fucking livid. Yeah. <laughs> the worst who put the empty container back in i live on my own yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. before you go if you'd like to join us at one of our events and you bloody should our next live in conversation is at leicester square theater on january the 15th when our guests will be london hughes jen brister and daisy may cooper you heard me. Gosh, she's loud, but also correct. And finally, here's a lovely festive anecdote from the boss herself, Sarah Millican. This comes from a gig we did in Leamington Spa with Sally Lindsay and Joe Enright. Sarah is describing sitting in front of the TV on Boxing Day and watching Victoria Woods that day we sang. Aww. It was my mum and dad and sister and I and my husband and we were all sitting watching Boxing Day and it was like that post-dinner slump, you know, and it was... And we were all excited for it. And then my mum dozed off and my sister dozed off. And it was just me and the men watching it, the two most important men in my life, you know, my dad and my husband. And, and then right towards the end, not to spoil it for anybody, but right towards the end, um, my dad just looked like he was about to say something. And I thought, and it was obviously all about love. And I thought, oh, my God, my mum and dad had been married for like 50 years. This is going to be some incredible advice that he's going to give to me and my husband, you know. And, and right near the end, there's a scene uh, where Michael Ball climbs up a ladder and, uh, and my dad just, and I thought, God, what's he going to say? And he just sat back and he looked at me and my husband and he went, I used to have that ladder. <laughs> <laughs> and the worst thing was, I remember the ladder. I remember the ladder. <laughs> we did the same with Christmas Downton Abbey. They were, I think they were at Annick at one point. They'd obviously gone for like a day out. And my dad said, me and your mum have stood there. <laughs> <laughs> he just notices locations and props. He's not really bothered about the romance of anything. Thanks for listening. And Merry Christmas from everyone at Standard Issue. issue for all women. This episode was produced by Maddie Hickish. Thanks Maddie.